judge a person and it turns out you didn't have the whole story? Ever learn there was a lot more to that story than you first realized? I'm Kimberly. And I'm Rebecca. Join us as we separate the little lies from the big reputations. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, everybody. What episode is this? It's like 30... Episode 37. 37. Wow, look at us. (laughs) I was about to say, the podcast is older than me, but it's episodes, not years. So. <laughs> it's like dog years though you measure it that way if every episode is the year oh <laughs> uh, happy black history month too do you want to say thank you or i don't know i mean that's up to you i <laughs> i thank you um no happy black history month everyone yes black white yellow purple hate when people say that there's no purple people there's no purple and honestly yellow sounds kind of cringe it does it feels <laughs> like you know the power rangers but like the yellow ranger was asian and the black ranger was black oh yikes yeah that was <laughs> that that's the the history i grew up on that was messed <laughs> up and the pink ranger got a skirt and the yellow ranger didn't it was it was sus yeah all of that yeah. just seems so wrong <laughs> was wait was the power rangers so the power rangers was like a live action show, right? Yeah, it was. Was it also a video game? Probably. I mean, they probably had like some kind of tie-in. Okay. I don't super so it remember. wasn't like a video game first and then a show. It was a show no, and then I don't think so. So it was actually like I think like a Japanese show that we just took because I know all the like parts we do. where yeah, <laughs> all the parts where like you can't see the characters' faces are like pulled from the Japanese version. So like. The monster fights and stuff. Oh. Apparently were not. Like, they just spliced it in. But, like, I really got into Power Rangers because the pink Power Ranger, the girly one, her name was Kimberly. And there was, like, no characters named Kimberly. And I was like, well, I I identify. Like, this is me. (laughs) This is me. It is my name. And my favorite color was, like, pink at the time. And I was like, this is me. And I got, like, really into Power Rangers. Like, wanted to take karate. And my mom was like, no. (laughs) So I just, like, did it at home. But I think that's also a sign of that time, like the the 90s and stuff where they did like a lot of video games after the fact. Like I remember mm-hmm. playing the, the Ninja Turtles video game. <laughs> oh, no, me too. Yeah. <laughs> on our, I think it was on Nintendo for us, like the original Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super Nintendo? No, no. Wait, Super Nintendo's not the, the original. Like that's what the I original remember. Nintendo, it, it was, yeah, the NES the Nintendo Entertainment System—it was old school. The, the like the gray, the gray square one with Duck Hunt and all that. So the one that I know, Super Nintendo, yeah, I mean, is also gray, like gray and purple. I think. Mm, but this is very boxy. This was, as, I as, mean, it had I feel like Super edges. Nintendo was a little more rounded. <laughs> yeah, the edges were round. You're right. I like a dumb dummy. Uh, when I was like in college, I was like, I'm not going to play this anymore. And I like sold it on eBay for like $30. Yeah. My parents, my dad and my stepmom, I guess they kept it. I don't know why. And then my brother, my brother, Daniel is a huge video game guy. Like he's going to school for video game design and he busted out like the original Nintendo (laughs) was playing it. And I was like, yes, I'm here for Dr. Mario, (laughs) (laughs) all of that stuff. Um, yeah, but I, I know that like going from like different 
shows to video games was one thing, but I like the new move of going from video games to shows. Yes. And my favorite is The Last of Us. And <laughs> I did what you said. You recommended the podcast that the HBO puts out like after the episodes. And I'm like super invested. And I'm already super invested because I played this game. Yeah. So there's like all these little things that I'm just cheesing about. Like, I love that. <laughs> it's like this tiny, tiny part. And like, I guess you only, you only get it if like, it feels like, oh, they put this in for me. So there's, I don't know. We're going to get into spoilers, but maybe not. But, like, there's a part where, like, one of the characters gets injured and one of the other characters, like, wraps duct tape around, like, her ankle and it makes this noise and that's the noise that it makes when you're healing. So, like, in the game, you have to, like, press a button to, like, heal yourself and you, like, bend down and it's just, like, this scotch tapey noise okay. of, like, wrapping. And they made that noise in the show and I just, like giggle i, I like, love that me. though because you get those like little inside bits and someone mm -hmm. like me who never played the game i'm still enjoying the show yeah. the show is very well done but i don't necessarily feel like i'm missing out because i don't mm -hmm. get that particular reference and i know that they've like done made some major changes to it it's an adaptation yeah. that's what you mm -hmm. do with an adaptation but uh yeah the the i haven't no, well, I guess when this comes out, the fourth episode will been out, but it doesn't yeah. come out until tomorrow. But that third episode, man, tears. It was beautiful tears, but it, it was, was tears. Yeah. And I, I, so like in the, if you are like someone who's like, I don't want spoilers, like fast forward like two minutes because I want to talk about this. In the game, it is implied that Bill is gay, but mm -hmm. it's just like, oh, they have this falling out and like, Frank like hangs himself and like that's all you get you get like a very upset Bill who like doesn't want to talk about Frank and it's like oh something happened like I feel really bad but this love story that we get is so beautiful and so thoughtful and I'm like so grateful that they were like hey let's expand on this a little yeah. bit because they didn't have to at all like they didn't have to at all and like there's, there's a part of me that's like well maybe Bill's still alive and like I don't think so but like it was just such a beautiful love story in the middle of this. I will like, say I did not trust Frank for like no. a few minutes. Like, you Neither know, did Theo. Theo was like, I don't like this. And I was just like, first I was like, is my husband homophobic? And then I was like, oh no, he doesn't like, cause he thinks that he thinks like Frank is like trying to do something. Yeah. But, like, I knew that he wasn't. So I was just like l letting it happen. But I was like, oh no, I get it. Like, don't, you know, turn your back on him. Don't let him play well, your piano. And when when Ellie and Joel are walking and she asks about them, he says that Bill is nice, mm -hmm. which is weird because like I, nice isn't a word I would use to describe Bill. Bill is no. great. He's awesome. Mm -hmm. But nice is not the word I'd use. But Joel and Bill, like they get each other. Right. They do. Yeah. And so he says that when which automatically put me not trusting Frank. And then Frank shows up and he's I'm like, hmm. What are you what are you trying to get at? What like yeah. uh, maybe I watched too much Walking Dead. <laughs> I've been well, jaded. I mean, <laughs> that's how it is. Like I feel like in all those post-apocalyptic things or like God forbid if it were to happen in real life, like the zombies, the clickers, whatever are going to be the least of your problems. It's going to be people mm -hmm. that ruin it. I'm also watching I'm rewatching The Walking Dead and like I just got to the governor who seems real nice. And it's like, oh, no, he's going to do some fuck shit. And I completely forgot about the governor because you go to, like, Negan first, right? Because, like, he's the big mm. bad. But, like, the governor was the little bad. And, like, 
I love but all, all these yeah, shows. Yeah, and you got to watch out for them. I'm I'm watching Yellow Jackets, the first season mm-hmm. of Yellow Jackets, which I know came out a while back. And yeah. it's not like that post-apocalyptic thing, but it is... Um, then this howl happens in the first episode, but like they, their plane crashes in the middle of nowhere and this mm-hmm. like girl's soccer team has to survive out in the middle of nowhere uh, for, I think it's 19 months or something. Jesus, uh, I would not. And all the things that come with that. And so it's the same thing. You're like, who do I trust? What mm-hmm. what elements of supernatural are real and what are sort of in people's mm-hmm. heads? And like, you know, are they imagining these things or is it really happening and like when you don't know there's that anticipation it's, i think well it's very different from the last of us or even the walking mm. dead it still has you going like okay who do i trust wait who's yeah. actually the bad guy what's going on <laughs> have you seen lost no i was gonna ask you if it's like similar yeah like, I, I never saw it and then when everybody hated the ending i was like well oh well <laughs> lost is a show that like Man, the first three seasons of that show are great. And then I think that the writers were like, oh, what do we do? It got renewed. Fuck. Just write something crazy. The same thing happened with How I Met Your Mother. Like, it could have been yeah. good if they ended it after. Like- and that's the thing. Like, just just end it. Because then if you don't, you ruin, like, the whole legacy. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, with Lost, people were like, I bet it's purgatory. I bet it's purgatory. And the writers are like, no, it's not purgatory. And it was like, okay, Loki, it is. But <laughs> all right, sure. And I remember, I remember I, I had a, a, me and a friend of mine had a, a Lost final episode, like viewing party where we like, I had to post a picture of this cake. We got like an ice cream cake. And we put like a little polar bear on it. And, like, we printed out, like, all these, like, Dharma initiative. Like, they had labels for things, like, wine labels and, like, cereal. And we printed out all this stuff and, like, literally just watched, like, the last episode, like, in her parents' house with, like, our ice cream cake because we were so cool. And we were like, wow, this sucks. Like, At we least were you so got ice cream cake show. out of it. <laughs> At least we had ice cream cake. But, like, the show was so good, like, until it wasn't. And I feel like mm. just let things end. Like, I don't know if that's just a money hungry thing or what but like maybe maybe all you need is three seasons sometimes maybe you need to do but on the flip side stop canceling Mm -hmm. things when they're good and in the middle of a storyline yes because this is a big reason why (laughs) oh my god netflix this is a big reason why i don't watch things like i wait like yellow jackets i want to see but i'm like let me know if it gets to uh season three and then i will watch it 22 though right because if you don't watch it then they don't have the viewership to renew it but if you if you do watch it and you love Mm -hmm. it and they cancel it anyway you you know like it's it's a catch-22 you you can't win it's always things that i get really invested in that they that they canceled like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna show my age but like firefly i loved firefly like i was obsessed with that show and then they canceled it and it was so upsetting. Like the first season, well, the only season of Firefly is so perfect and it ends on like a cliffhanger. And then it's just like, nope, nothing. They give you a movie and the movie is good, but like it could have been so much more yeah. and they canceled. And I think that that, that's where my trust is. Same thing happened from. with Twin Peaks <laughs> back in the day, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but even recently, like I watched Everything Sucks. Yeah. Um, and I just loved it. I, I love sort of, can- and that's sort of the thing with Yellow Jackets too, because it's set in the 90s. I love that, like, those high school shows that were set when I was in high school. <laughs> and, you know, I really liked the season. And I mean, it's fine that it ended, but like, it also ended in a way where I was like, oh, there could be another season. Let's go. And then they're just like, no, just kidding. No, no extra season. 
but we've changed our minds. Um, so it is Black History Month, and, like, you don't have to celebrate, but you should. I mean, there's, like, lots of streaming services that have, like, um, collections of things. HBO has, like, a pretty good one. Um, but what did you do? You did something cool. Yeah, um, the other day, we had, Sean and I had our first date day in a long time. We're trying to get that back up and going, because, um, life. And we went to the African burial grounds in Manhattan, which like I knew existed, but I didn't know much mm-hmm. about, and yeah, I had no idea they only discovered it in the nineties. Yeah, like I think they were doing. They were like, "Oh, we want to put up a building." Yeah, and then they doing like esca- excavating. Yeah, 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 and and they just came across these bodies, and then they were like, "Wait, what?" And then they put it on pause, and they mm. they dug it up, and they found out, and they realized that it was like where the African burial grounds was. But you want to know the most mind-blowing thing I learned? Like, I learned a lot of cool stuff there. But the one, like, thing that just kind of, like, blew my mind mm-hmm. was we saw this picture of Lower Manhattan. And it was when the Dutch were there. And they had enslaved Africans build a wall. Uh-huh. And that's literally where Wall Street is. So I was, like, it, I was today years old when I learned that Wall Street was named after a wall that was built to keep Native Americans out of Lower Manhattan. Racism across the board. (laughs) It runs fucking deep, man. That sucks, but also makes, like, sense. Like, that's not shocking. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. No, but it was really cool. Like, there was, like, a video that you watched at the beginning, and they kind of, like, recreate some of the scenarios that that could have happened at that time. And Mm. then there was the whole historical aspect of it through through the museum it's part of the national park service though so it's free nice. to go in um mm. yeah you have to go through like a metal detector though because it is a government building i guess fair don't uh, bring your knives well yeah. that's funny because we were going to <laughs> we were going to that area to get our knives sharpened and i was like well we should definitely <laughs> drop those off because you know we'll do that first that's and then so we'll funny. go and then we get there there's a metal detector i'm like well good thing we dropped those off yeah. first imagine you just had them like a bunch of knives in like a ziploc bag like security guard would have been like um excuse me ma'am what what is this don't worry they're dull yeah i probably those are worse right (laughs) cut yourself worse i guess yeah well i mean for stabbing people i don't know which is better a sharp or a dull knife listen murderers (laughs) write in and let us know (laughs) i don't want to know this Uh, have you done anything yet? I mean, it's only it's only the fourth, so we still have time. But do you have any plans, or is there anything you've done in particular? Well, I'm planning on staying black for this. Week, <laughs> so no, Stop. well, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, no, I haven't done I haven't done any research whatsoever. Like, there's like a bunch of movies that I'm looking at seeing. I was looking to maybe continue my. I had like a December was like Denzel month, and then I was like, damn, Denzel has so many movies, so I might continue that. Um, also, it's really cold and I don't want to go anywhere, mm. but there's a lot of, um, not a lot, there should be more. There's like a bunch of like black owned restaurants in like the neighborhood. And I was like, maybe I'll just like go support like with my money and yeah. like go grab dinner, go grab lunch. There's a coffee shop that I really like called Drip and they're black owned. So like I've been going to them like extra and being like, here's Black History Month tips. Thank you. That's great. Um, that's a, that's yeah. a perfect idea. There's no, I haven't done like any like research research, but I should. I should I see mean, what uh, museums are doing stuff. 
You researched this episode. Yes, I did. I did research this episode. And in this episode, we will be discussing the unapologetically pro-woman rapper Megan Thee Stallion. Is it the? Or the? I think it's the. I, I think, think the extra the. E, right? Yeah, but like, I don't. I've heard her say it both ways. I don't know if the V is that serious. Okay. You yeah. know what? I, I, I kind of respect that. We will discuss how she got into rapping, her relationship with her record label, and the ways in which the media has judged her based on how she looks and the lyrics to her songs. Then we'll consider how men, especially those in positions of power in the music industry, have felt entitled to Megan's fame and money, and the even more nefarious practice of misogynoir in the music industry. Finally, we'll share some of Megan Thee Stallion's achievements in her relatively short career so far. Just a couple of trigger warnings for gun violence and racism. Megan Javon Ruth Pete was born February 15th, 1995 in San Antonio, Texas. I think she's the youngest person that we've ever covered. Yeah. I mean, that is what... She's 27 now. Now. She'll be 28 next week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Happy early birthday, Megan. Happy early birthday. <laughs> so she and her mother, Holly Thomas, moved from moved to Houston shortly after she was born. So not a lot is known about her father. He was in jail when she was younger. The family was reunited after his release, but sadly, he died during her freshman year of high school. Her mom was a rapper and went by the name Hollywood. I love pun names. <laughs> That's right. That's so good. She recorded with a collective called Screwed Up Click, a group that was active between 2001 and 2007. Megan would often watch her mother perform and says she was a huge inspiration, but also a little intimidating. She says, I've been writing since I was maybe seven. And this is something she told Rolling Stone in uh, 2019. She says, I was kind of shy about telling people I could rap for the longest. And... You know, it's like when your mom is in that position and she's a great mm -hmm. rapper and then that's something you aspire to be, you might be a little hesitant. Yeah, it's like she knows how this works. So, like, she's going to be the one to tell me, like, mm, this is good or this is not good, you know. Holly was super supportive of Pete. I'm going to call her Pete Stallion, Megan. I'm going to bounce back and forth. Um, Pete, pursuing a rap career. However, she really wanted her to wait and get an education before entering the music industry. So mom's rule was no rapping professionally until you're 21. I, I respect that. Right? Pete, of course, respected this as well. Uh, today, she's really grateful for her family for making sure that she stayed in school and graduated. She worked on her writing in the meantime. Pete graduated from Pearland High School and started taking classes at Prairie View A&M University, which is a well-known HBCU. It was here that she started to post videos of herself freestyling to Instagram. <laughs> Side note, I was like, what does A&M even stand for? Because <laughs> there's like a lot of schools that have that. And it's like agriculture and mechanics or me it's like for mechanical engineering, I oh, guess. But okay. yeah, I, I was like, I have to Google this. And yeah, so because I've only ever heard of like Texas A&M, but I know there are others. Yeah. So this is huh. Prairie View A&M. The more you know. And there's a little star. <laughs> Insert rainbow. <laughs> yes. Rainbow shooting star. Bing. 
So in 2016, Megan was the only woman featured in a Houston cipher rap battle. This cipher had the most talented and up and coming artists in Houston. So a cipher is like when rappers, beatboxers, and even dancers all come together to make music. Mm-hmm. They freestyle and battle. It's like a space to test out new raps. It's usually like a crowd of people to get like hype or to like boo if necessary. So think of it like an open mic, but for rap. I like that. And I like it has its own mm. name because it's its own thing. Yeah. yeah. Pete started using the name Megan the Stallion. Megan the Stallion? Megan the Stallion. The sounds like very. I feel like the medieval. sounds assertive. It's like. Yeah, and it's different. It definitely is a stand. Like, I can see why she did it instead of the, the, because it definitely is a standout, because it's like, oh, that double E. It's not just What's any Megan. It's Megan the Stallion. Yeah. Anyway, this name came from a nickname from her childhood. She was often called a stallion because of her height. She's 5'10. So am I. Are you really? Am I a stallion? Yeah. You're taller than me? It depends on my hair, but there's my ID, my legal state ID says 510. Oh, wow. So okay. go with that, but it depends on the hair. I, kn- I mean, I know, I don't think I ever thought you were shorter than me, but like, I didn't, you're only, I mean, I'm 5'9", so it's probably mm-hmm. pretty close in there, but the yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't realize you were that tall. So when she got older, the nickname became a little bit sexy. Uh, in Southern slang, it's like a thick, voluptuous, and tall woman that, that's often referred to as a stallion. So she embraced that. Mm-hmm. So with the success of that cipher, Megan was able to release singles and mixtapes on SoundCloud, which is like kind of like Spotify, but for independent artists, right? Yeah, one yeah. of my um, my first podcasts, Why Do We Read This, is actually hosted there. And our mm-hmm. audio producer, our audio mixer, Sean, um, he has his own SoundCloud too, Sean P. Russell. Nice. This led to over a million streams on SoundCloud and views on YouTube. By 2018, she was signed to 1501 Certified Entertainment. They're an independent record label in Houston. But she still had to finish college. She had made a promise to her mother, and she was dead set on keeping it. She took a little time off and transferred to Texas Southern University, pursuing a BA in health administration. First off, that's a very smart degree. Yeah. You can kind of do, like, anything in health with that degree. Like, wait to, to be now. And I feel like if I were to go back to school, I would do either health administration or, like, if I were to go back, if going back to school knowing what I know now... It would have been health administration or like anything in like higher ed or like HR. Like those are where like the jobs are. Like this is a very wise choice for her to get this. Yeah. So in between studying, Pete released her first EP called Tina Snow and performed at the music festival South by Southwest. That's in Austin, right? Yes. 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 Sorry, Texas people. (laughs) We don't live there. So I just wanted to confirm. Honestly, Texas, Megan is a big reason why why I'm like allowing myself to talk about texas me and texas aren't <laughs> on good terms but people like megan and like beyonce and lizzo keep me being keep me from being like texas is trash because <laughs> <laughs> you have to remind yourself that texas might not be great but there are really great people who live there exactly. same thing with florida i mean i guess the u.s in general too for those listeners yeah. in other countries <laughs> that is true you know what there are shitty people everywhere. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Unfortunately. <sighs> so let's talk about what an EP is, because she released her first EP called Tina Snow. So an EP stands for Extended Play. So that refers to a half-length body of work, 
So it usually features like four or six tracks. So if you think about like an album as a novel, then an EP would be like a collection of stories. And I explain all this because it's 2023 and I did not know what that was at all. Yeah. I was like, what the hell is the difference? And we'll get to why those differences are really important later. But like, there's a difference between an EP and an LP. And now you know. And now you know. Again. The more you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this EP was loved by critics and fans alike. In an interview, Pete was asked about the message behind it, what she wanted her fans to get out of the record. Megan stated, you know, I just really want everyone to be comfortable in their own skin, and I want everybody to be them. I'm so outgoing, and I'm so cocky and confident in my music because I want other people to feel that way when they're listening to me. I want to make them feel happy to be them. I really like that message. I I do, too, because it's like, I am this way, but I do Mm -hmm. it. To share that feeling with others, not to, yeah. like, hoard it all for myself. Yeah, not to just, like, be like, oh, look how important I am. It's like, hey, I'm important, but, like, so are you. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. So, on January 22nd, 2019, Pete released Big Old Freak, a single from her EP, Tina Stem. She also filmed a music video for the track. Some called the lyrics in the video a little bit too sexy and raunchy for most audiences. When asked about this whole too sexy style, Pete responded by saying... I feel like female rappers are held to a standard. Like, you can only rap about peace and kumbaya. You're supposed to be such a lady. I'm not scared to say what's on my mind. I'm not scared to say what I want. If the boys can do it, we can do it too. And she's so right, because when you think mm-hmm. about, like, the the what's accepted from male rappers in terms of lyrics, yeah. without question most of the time, like, why can't she do the same thing? Yeah, like, dudes are, like, admitting to full crimes in, like, some of their verses, and she's just like, I like sex. (laughs) I like sex, and I like looking at my own posterior. Like, it's crazy. Megan is a rising star, right? But her personal life is about to take a brutal hit. In March of 2019, her mother, Holly Thomas, died from a cancerous brain tumor. Her grandmother then died two weeks later. Pete posted a picture of her with her mother via Instagram with the caption, the best mom in the whole world, the strongest woman on the planet. I can't even put complete sentences together right now. R.I.P. Mama. Then she went back to work. Jeez. (laughs) In April, she dropped her second mixtape EP, Fever. By the summer of 2019, Pete was everywhere. So that show that I mentioned before that I love, a black lady sketch show premiered on HBO and they used her song for the theme song, Hot Girl. Mm -hmm. The song was getting a lot of playtime and a lot of streams. Pete declared 2019 a hot girl summer. And it was. The phrase was everywhere. There were memes and shirts, every bar or restaurant with a like those outside chalkboard things declared it was a hot girl summer. The phrase turned into a song after a fan suggested a collaboration during an Instagram Live. So Megan got to work with Nicki Minaj and Ty Dolla Sign to release the single Hot Girl Summer. Pete topped the Billboard 100 charts, Rolling Stones 100, and was listed on Time Magazine's 100 Next list. This was a list of artists, advocates, leaders, and inventors that Time was predicting would make a difference and would be the ones to watch. Oh, they're not wrong about her. No, not at all. In September 2019, Pete signed a management deal with Rock Nation. Now, Rock Nation is an entertainment agency that was founded by rapper Jay-Z. Fun fact, it was officially founded three days before he married Beyonce. Oh, really? So he had like some big mergers that week, huh? (laughs) Uh, Before this, her mother had been her manager. 
And while her mom knew the rap world, the world of contract law was very different. So the people at Rack Nation looked at Pete's contract with the Houston label, 1501, and they had some questions. <laughs> In an Instagram Live, and we say Instagram Live a lot because I think Megan is part of that generation where it's like you just hop on a live and you just like talk directly to your fans, which I think is super important for her relationship with her fans mm. and also is a very a, a generational thing. Like I feel like people in our generation would there'd be a press release right like it would go through management but for like megan it was just like i'm gonna hop on live real quick and like talk to you and it's it's way more honest and it's it's just such a generational thing yeah there are pros and cons to it for sure yes because then it's just out there and you don't have any like vetting like you said what you said and it's out there um but i think she's kind of like a I said what I said person, mm-hmm. so it works for her. If if you're a liar, you can't just jump on Instagram lives all the time. You know, you're going to get caught out there. But for Megan, like, she speaks her truth, so it works. So in this Instagram live, she spoke of the issues that were arising from 1501 record. She said, so when I got with Rock Nation, I got management, real management. I got real lawyers. And they were like, do you know that this is in your contract? And I was like, oh, damn, no, that's crazy. I didn't know. It was suggested by Rock Nation that she speak to 1501 about making some changes. Pete says, All I did was ask to renegotiate my contract, and then it became a big thing. When I signed, I really didn't know what was in my contract. I was young. I think I was like 20, and I didn't know about everything in my contract. By 2020, Pete was looking to release her full-length album, Sugar, but the label said no, stating that they wanted to focus on her contract renegotiations first. They were basically stalling. Yeah. Pete had to reach out to the courts to obtain a restraining order against 1501. It was upheld and her album was released and it was a huge hit. Yeah, it definitely sounds like they're playing with her right there. Mm -hmm. In another Instagram live, Megan spoke to her fans to wish them a happy holiday. She also expressed how hard the year had been for her. Holding back tears, she explained, This year I lost my mom and my grandmother in the same month. Although all these positive things have been happening to me and I've been trying to do good, been trying to keep a smile on my face, stay strong, to stay happy for me and my other grandmother and the rest of my family, it's pretty hard. This is the first Christmas that I'm spending without them and I just wanted to give some hope to my hotties that might be going through something too. As she continued saying, I just want to spread some positivity and tell y'all to stay positive, stay kind through your hard times because the pain doesn't last forever. Try not to get in a dark place. Always try to be kind to others because you never know what they're going through. And this message was going to be needed for all. Like, the world was about to get a little bit scarier. Yeah. So, like, fast forward a little bit. Now it's March of 2020. The coronavirus has just arrived. We're all at home for the most part. We're staring at our phones. We're on TikTok. We're bored in the house and I'm in the house bored. Do you remember that? Were you on TikTok? No, I don't. I don't. It was like, I wonder if you hear the guy was like, she said, are you on TikTok that early? I'm not even on TikTok now, really. Like, I have one, but... <laughs> yeah. But there was, like, this guy, and he was, like, I'm bored in the house, and I'm in the house bored. And it just became, like, this rap. And when you were bored in your house, and you were bored, you sang, I'm bored in the house, and I'm in the house bored. Got it. It was a real... What is it called? Like, an earworm? Uh-huh. Like, it was everywhere for a bit. So, I think that's when most people started to use TikTok. I know that's that's when I started to use it. But to me, it kind of felt like an app where like kids were doing dances and yeah, the kids were using it before then, but I think it became more mainstream when everybody was Mm -hmm. home. Sure. (laughs) But one kid in particular would help put Megan on the map. Kiara Wilson created the Savage Dance using Pete's song Savage from her latest EP. 
It went super viral on TikTok with 15.7 million views and 2.4 million likes as of March 20th of 2020. Kiki Palmer, Marseille Martin, Jessica Alba, and Haley Bieber are just a few of the celebrities that got in on the challenge. So the challenge skyrocketed Savage to number one on the iTunes hip hop rap chart, and this was then followed up by a remix featuring her idol, Beyonce. Megan was shocked and over the moon to be working with Beyonce. She gushed over the collaboration on Instagram Live, recalling how her late mother was also a big fan of Beyonce. Beyonce is also a Houston native, right? So mm-hmm. Texas girls sticking together. Yeah. <laughs> and had she'd been a huge musical and career inspiration to Pete. So this collaboration meant a lot to her. But also to the world, right? Because Beyonce doesn't just feature on a song with anyone. Like it was an mm-hmm. important statement and and that's a that's a big deal. That kind of it gave Megan more more contact with with a wider fan base, I think. Yeah, it definitely like co-signed her. It was like, oh, okay, like there are rappers that like Beyonce has worked with, but like not that many. So like working with Megan, it was like her co-signing, like this girl's cool. So like go ahead and work with her, anyone else, or like listen to her, anybody else. Yeah. Megan followed up that with another successful pairing as she joined the rapper Cardi B on the single WAP and appeared in its music video in August 2020. This became Pete's second number one single in the U.S. and also broke the record for the most streams for a song in its first week of release in the U.S. with a whopping 93 million streams. <laughs> you like that? That... that- that pun hurts, but it's it's accurate. <laughs> WAP is an acronym for wet-ass pussy. In the lyrics, Cardi B and Megan discuss how they want to be pleased by men. The song is incredibly divisive. Some saw it as a sex-positive anthem, and others, well, others just lost their damn minds. Yeah, one of those was James P. Bradley, a former Republican Senate candidate from California. Uh, he tweeted, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion are what happens when children are raised without God and without a strong father figure. Their new song, the hashtag WAP, which I heard accidentally, made me want to pour holy water in my ears. And I feel sorry for future girls if this is their role model. And then there's Ben Shapiro. Which, have you ever heard him speak before? You know what? Uh, When it's those people those people i try not to hear their voices and just like read the words because that double dose of the the audio and the words i went on i went on tiktok this morning to try and find it so that we can like post it he sounds like a computer when he talks it's i'll I'll post it to the instagram but it's it's very his voice is so grainy and he reads the lyrics and it's it's very funny because he sounds like a robot, oh, but go yeah. ahead. Well, Ben Shapiro, host of the Ben Shapiro show. How original. Yeah. <laughs> the Kim and Rebecca show. <laughs> well, this is a, a daily political podcast. Like daily. Who's got the time? I guess that this is his whole, that's what he does. Yeah, and so. he probably like underpays people to do all the actual work. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I projecting here uh well i'm like we can't know that but he seems like a real thing, so probably <laughs> yes this would not hold up in a court of law but like i'm no. gonna make that assumption it, simply because he is known for being very conservative and i just feel like those things go together apparently yeah. this song almost broke him right on his show he asked if this is what feminists fought for and cardi b tweeted i can't believe conservatives so mad about wap 
So Ben felt personally attacked by this tweet and tweeted back one of his own. He said, as I also discussed on the show, my only real concern is that the women involved who apparently require a bucket and a mop get the medical care that they require. (laughs) My doctor's, my doctor wife's differential diagnosis, bacterial vaginosis, yeast infection, or trichomonas. As you might imagine, my wife says having a wet vagina is a medical condition. It is? So first off, he, <laughs> he mentions his, his, his wife is a doctor. But like this backfired and just started the joke that he's clearly never pleased a woman. Exactly. So that was obviously. And he thinking. stopped talking about he stopped talking about WAP after that. But it was like, um, so your wife is like having a wet vagina is a, a medical condition. Have you never given her one, sir? He got played pretty bad. Like it was just so funny because it was like he really thought he was doing something with this, being like, My oh, wife's a all doctor. These women. Rah, rah, rah. Yeah. My wife's a doctor, and she said that if you have a wet-ass pussy, that you probably have a yeast infection. And it's like... No, girl, that's different. That's different. Yeah. (laughs) Like, um, I don't know what's going on in your bedroom, and honestly, I don't don't want to know. (laughs) But or your wife is gaslighting you. She's like, no, you're supposed to be super dry, and it's only supposed to be two seconds. That's how it works. (laughs) Uh, well, others, though, there there were others who did see it as sex positive, and they recognized the need to destigmatize women having sexual desires, because mm-hmm. guess what? We like sex, too. The song gave some women the language and the confidence to ask for their sexual needs to be met, much like uh, male rappers have been doing forever. Mm-hmm. The music video also actually gave a lot of exposure to a few up-and-coming women in the music industry. Singers Normani and Rosalia and rappers Lato, Sukihana, and Ruby Rose. Yeah, like I think Lato's like nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. At the like the Grammys is happening like this weekend, next weekend. And she opened for Lizzo. So like there's this whole little network of like these girlies who are friends. And they're supporting each and, like, other and lifting each other up. Yes. We're here for like, it. How, I mean, and like I love it. I love it so much. Like it's perfect. So these girls got exposure. P got exposure. And like the nominations like started to roll in for her. She earned over 20 nominations in 2020. Her star was rising. She was the it girl. Everybody wanted her at their parties. But there was one party that she attended that would end unexpectedly. Dun, dun. In July. I feel like. <laughs> sorry. I'm just like insert law and order sound. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. <laughs> in july 2020 after leaving a pool party at kylie jenner's house megan was seen getting into the back of a police car with bloody feet she was taken to the hospital seemingly with injuries from broken glass the cops were on the scene because there had been reports of gunshots in the car were rapper tori lanes megan herself and her former friend and assistant kelsey nicole harris as pete headed to the hospital tori was arrested for possession of an unregistered firearm and went off to jail It was pretty clear there was no glass and that Megan had been shot. A few days later, she stated that she had suffered gunshot wounds to her feet. And as she stated, as a result of a crime that was committed against me and done with the intention of to physically harm me. She didn't say any more and she never gave a name and she later deleted the post. During another Instagram live in August 2020, Pete admitted that it was Tori Lanes who had shot her. She explained that at the time she didn't tell the police that she had been shot because she didn't trust them not to escalate the situation. I mean, fair. Very fair. Absolutely fair. I mean, 
just take a look at what's in the news. Like every day, the police escalate things the wrong way. Usually, when there are black bodies involved, so I can completely understand her point. Mm-hmm. Um, but she follows it up by saying, "Why the fuck would I tell the police that someone in the car got a gun?" And that this person shot me so that I can get shot, so that you can get shot, so that she can get shot, so that he can get shot. Like, Yeah, she knows. She makes good points. Yeah, she's like, you know, like, I'm not going to tell them that there's a weapon in this car. Like, they eventually found it. He went to jail. But, like, if, but if they knew in advance, out, they would have. Yeah, ugh. they would have treated them accordingly. And I don't know if maybe these cops recognized them. So maybe it was a little bit easier. Or maybe the fact that she was bleeding it didn't escalate, but like, yeah, if you're just like, yeah, there's a gun in this car, now it's a all hands on deck situation. And like, cops don't really, cops typically, from what we've seen in the news, don't handle surprises very well. Yeah, that, that's a very mm. diplomatic way of putting that. I appreciate you. It is. <laughs> Happy Black History Month, everybody. <laughs> well, Tori denied this, right? He denied that she was even shot. And if she was shot, how could she know who did it? What? <laughs> this sounds like somebody who stole the cookie from the cookie jar <laughs> and is like, well, like, how do I even know what kind of chocolate cookies you had? How do you know how many chocolate cookies were in that jar? I wouldn't I never even said know they were chocolate I don't chip. even like cookies. <laughs> um, Whatever. I don't even like cookies. Like, you sound like such a stupid liar. Yeah. Well, he then suggested on Twitter that it was a love triangle that Kelsey and Megan fought over him. And that's how Pete got shot. Like. Hmm. Dude, get your story straight. What like these are different stories. If you're gonna make up a story, you gotta you gotta get one and stick Pick with it. One. Yeah. Anyway, so Tori spent a lot of time online making accusations and egging his fans into harassing Megan online to the point where a protective order was issued and then quickly violated by Tori because he couldn't stop tweeting about Pete and the issue. I- Toxic masculinity and male fragility combined into one, just like. Also, not to like body shame, but he's got a little bit of a Napoleon complex because he's like 5'2". When I heard his height, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I, no comment. I don't know what to add to that. <laughs> the, I, listen, I think that every, and I don't know if it's just because like I'm tall, but like I, I mean, I've always been tall, but like. I don't know a lot of other very short people, but like, I think that everyone knows that one guy who is very short and like makes up his, makes up for his height and like attitude. We all know at least one person like that. We all know one bossy short guy. He thinks he knows better than everybody else. We all know one. You're laughing because you know one. But guess what? That's a symptom of, like, toxic masculinity and the patriarchy as well, right? Like, they're then victims of that because they're told they're not man enough because they don't have the right height. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? Stupid. Everything is men's fault. All circles back. Tori was officially charged in October of 2020 with one count of assault with a semi-automatic firearm and one count of carrying an unregistered weapon. Los Angeles County was actually the ones who pushed for these charges, not Megan herself. She was just trying to heal and move on. And I think that's important to note here because it was definitely framed as her trying to throw him under the bus for shooting her. Megan, right. The trial was like Megan versus Tori. And it's like, actually, it's like the Los Angeles County 
versus Tori. Yeah. Like, she didn't bring up these charges. She didn't press charges at all. Like, she had to speak up to defend herself because he kept coming at her online. Ugh. <laughs> Ridiculous. So part of her, like, moving on was having the honor of being the first live musical guest on Saturday Night Live after the COVID shutdown. So here she took the opportunity to send a message about the Black Lives Matter movement and protecting black women. During her musical performance, she calls out Daniel Cameron. Now, Daniel Cameron's the attorney general for Kentucky, and he was also at the time Breonna Taylor had been killed by the police in her home. The community was calling on him to file charges against the cops. But during the grand jury hearing, Cameron seemingly went out of his way to defend the officer's roles in the killing. Pete was a victim of violence herself, so she was looking to the justice system to do its job. During 2021, Pete spent a lot of time touring, from small music festivals to huge international ones. She ended her year by graduating from Texas Southern University on December 11th, 2021, honoring her promise to her mother and giving her a BA to fall back on if she gets tired of music, you know? Yeah. Could you imagine if she just, like, retires and she's like, I run, like, an old age home now? I think that would be awesome. She could call it, like, old hotties. <laughs> Most of Megan's 2022 consisted of working on music and releasing her second studio album, Traumazine. She also appeared on the show She-Hulk. But on the flip side of things, she spent eight days in court testifying in Tory Lanez's trial. On December 23rd, 2022, he was convicted on three felony charges. Assault with a semi-automatic handgun, having a loaded and unregistered firearm in a vehicle, and gross negligence in discharging his firearm. He was supposed to be sentenced this week, but uh, that's been delayed. The sentencing, it looks like he could face up to like 20 years and then also possibly be deported because he's he doesn't even go here he's from <laughs> Canada. So hopefully he'll go I back. love the idea of deporting Canadians instead of people from like countries south of us. <laughs> I think that's funny. Well, if you did something wrong, you, you know, you got to go like they have to take you to court and figure it out. But like. You should go. After the trial, a jailhouse phone call made from Tori to Kelsey the night of the shooting was released, further validating Megan's story. The audio was the most important piece of evidence in Tori's conviction. On the call, he states, I know she's probably never going to talk to me ever again, but bruh, I just need you to know I was so fucking drunk. I don't even know what the fuck was going on. Deadass. I'd never do some shit like that, he says in the call. But he did. And I, I just, the, the audacity to like make this phone call and it's like also don't you know that these calls are recorded first off second off you spend so much time throwing this woman under the bus and, and it was right there yeah and like you you're a liar like you were a liar the whole time Ugh. i mean i guess that's the point of being a liar right like you're not concerned that like people will think different of you because you lie. i guess yeah while Megan's career is still new, she's been through a lot in a short time. She has spoken out about how taxing big changes in trauma can be on your mental health. She debuted the website Bad Bitches Have Bad Days Too, and this is where people can actually go to seek help with their mental health. The name of the site comes from Pete's song Anxiety off of the album Traumazine. The truth of it is, though, like... Men just feel entitled to fame and money that belongs to women. They do. So learning more about, like, Megan's issues with her label really reminded us of Dolly Parton a bit. Mm -hmm. So, like, what was that dude's name? Wagoneer? <laughs> Wagoneer. Like, Wagoneer. 
wasn't no Wagoner. wasn't but Wagoner. I, it. I, I wanted to say Wagoneer every time I do remember that I think I you like, should keep it Wagoneer I love it Wagoneer <laughs> well I mean Wagoner but Wagoneer whatever he's a person he matters but like not in this context so Wagoner is very similar to 1501 certified entertainment they both gave a chance to an up-and-coming performer, but they decided that they weren't entitled to more. Yeah. Pete and the record company have had about four lawsuits since 2019 when she first asked to renegotiate her contract. The suits have been over how many albums she owes to the, the record company, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what constitutes an album and how she can distribute those albums. Yeah. That's why when I talked about like the difference between an EP and an LP... There was discussion of, oh, well, this doesn't count because it's not a full-length album. But, like, two EPs equal an LP. Like, there's a lot of, like, legalness going on there. So, last year, a judge actually ruled in Megan's favor after she claimed that 1501 and the CEO, Carl Crawford, were doing everything they could to stop her from putting out the remix of the BTS Butter. Do you know that song? I don't. Oh, I... I don't know BTS really, but I did listen to that song for Megan and it's like sweet like butter, something, 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 something. All right. You if you're on TikTok enough, you know it. So Megan had to ask for an emergency relief from the court to allow the new music the new music to be released as previously scheduled, stressing the importance of dropping the track and how it would expand her international fan base because BTS is huge oh, yeah. internationally. So if this song didn't come out, like I mean, they just, like, cut off, like, all these, like, fan bases and, like, open markets for her. Like, I don't really get it. A producer that works with Megan and gets shouted out on a lot of her songs has left 1501 over the treatment of Megan. Um, all the songs that she's worked with him on are slated. And if the beat live, you know, little juke made it. So his name is little juke. Okay. But, like, if you hear that, you're like, oh, that's a real person. He seems really nice. And he was like, I gotta go. You can't treat people like this. But that's what has to be done, right? And when, Yeah, you have to stand up for things. And especially men standing up and saying, no, I'm no longer supporting this because of the lack of support you have for women. Mm-hmm. Pete is looking to leave 1501, and 1501 is looking to slow that down. She's their biggest artist right now, and losing her would cost them a lot. There's also the more nefarious idea that they're looking to destroy her career. If she can't make music with them then she won't make it at all. That's their their take, maybe? I mean, yeah. we, I don't know if we have proof of that, but that's the theory. True. We don't have proof of that, but it does seem like... It seems it seems like a viable theory. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, if she's... You have a contract, and if she fulfills her contract, she gets to leave. Why would you try and stop her from fulfilling her contract? But, well, we've seen this before, haven't we? Yeah, so Megan's not the first one to fall prey to a contract that left, like, that left her with very little power. In 2001, the Dixie Chicks accused Sony of systematic thievery by underpaying them about $4 million in royalties owed to the trio for their first, their first two multi-platinum releases. Yeah, and we all know the Taylor Swift Masters controversy in which her former record label Big Machine Records and the new owner Scooter Braun refused to let her buy her original masters of her first six studio albums. They did give her the option to sign another contract that would require her to create six more albums under that label in exchange for the masters of the first six. That seems fair, right? I mean, 
it would be easier to give give her firstborn. But you're like in this you're in this continuous cycle then because then they own right? the second set of six. Exactly. So would you just keep and like six albums? Like think about how long it takes to make six albums. Mm. Like think about like someone's body of work. That's insane. Yeah. Like, and she was like, "Hey, I got cash." You want me to, you want Venmo? How would you like me to pay you? <laughs> and they held on to it because they could. Like, they were shitty because they could. Mm-hmm. So, this happened with a uh, milkshake singer, Khalees. She had to deal with a little bit of a bait and switch. In an interview with The Guardian, she says, I was told we were going to split the whole thing 33%, 33%, 33%, which we didn't do. They blatantly lied to me and tricked me. She noted that it wasn't just the Neptunes. The Neptunes are made up of Pharrell and Chad Hugo. But it was also their management and their legal team. Police said, the argument is, well, you signed it. And I'm like, yeah, I signed it. I signed what I was told. I was too young and too stupid to double check. The back and forth lawsuits give people the perception that the plaintiff is just greedy and looking for a payday. Or in Megan's case, an easy out from a contract that she signed. Could Megan have made better choices when it came to signing her first big deal? A hundred percent, Yes. Should she be punished and have her career ended because of one unwise deal? No. Just because she signed a deal doesn't give anyone the excuse to try and milk someone for all they're worth. Treating people badly just because you can is really shitty. Once Pete realized that she was in a bad deal, she tried to make the best out of it and get out quickly. But that backfired. 1501 Certified Entertainment and its head, Carl Crawford, used social media to threaten her and damage her reputation. Their gravy train was about to leave the station, and they chose to try and discredit her, which, sadly, is a very easy thing to do for women of color. Mm-hmm. Pete has a song, has a line in her song, Anxiety, that goes, they keep saying, speak your truth, and at the same time, they don't believe. It must be really exhausting to have to constantly have people ask you to clarify yourself, only to be called a liar, or have people claim that you're full of yourself. <laughs> this can apply to another Megan that we've covered. Mm. One Miss Markle, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. When Megan went public with what actually happened the night of the Tory Lane shooting, the court of public opinion was torn. Most saw her as a victim of gun violence, but others saw her as an uncaring opportunist looking to falsely accuse an innocent man. From bloggers to influencers and even other rappers, everyone has taken their opinions about Pete Public. In the song Circle Logo, Drake raps, this bitch lying about getting shot, but she's still a stallion. She don't even get the joke, but she's still smiling. Drake later denied that the lyric was about Megan. But I mean, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Drake and Tori are both from Canada. So like, why can't they bond over maple syrup instead of like hating on women? What is this? <laughs> maple syrup and hockey and moose. So many things. So many other things to get your Canadian vibes off. But you're like, no, let's let's make jokes about women who were involved in violence. Drake, do better. We're watching you, Drake. <laughs> Rapper 50 Cent has retweeted many memes and jokes with Megan as the punchline. He claims that he didn't believe her about not sleeping with Tori. So for that, everything else she says is also a lie, apparently. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Oh, yeah. After Tori was found guilty, 50 Cent did a radio show in which he says he owes Pete an apology. He would have never made jokes if he knew she was telling the truth. But what is it that I always say at the end of every episode? Believe women? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you do say that for a reason, right? (laughs) Right? Hashtag believe women. Mm -hmm. In an interview with Rolling Stone in 2022, Megan spoke about not being believed and how bewildering it was, saying... 
In some kind of way, I became the villain. I don't know if people don't take it seriously because I seem strong. I wonder if it's because of the way I look. Is it because I'm not light enough? Is it that I'm not white enough? Am I not the shape, the height, because I'm not petite? Do I not seem like I'm worth being treated like a woman? These are all horrible, but yeah, justifiable questions. Mm-hmm. You know, and this feeling that she's having and this experience that she's going through, well, that's called misogynoir. This is a term that is the brainchild of an African-American feminist scholar, writer, and activist named Moya Bailey. Bailey uses the term to describe the harmful combination of misogyny and racism that black women experience. Misogynoir is harmful because it denies black women not just their womanhood, but also their humanity. In a 2017 study done by the Georgetown Center on Poverty and Equality called Girlhood Interrupted, they found that black girls were seen as older and less in need of comfort and nurturing than their white counterparts. This resulted in black girls receiving more discipline than white students for similar infractions at school. They were more likely to be suspended and expelled, referred to law enforcement, and even arrested. In an op-ed for the New York Times, Megan addressed the shooting, writing, Black women are still constantly disrespected and disregarded in so many areas of life. I was recently the victim of an act of violence by a man. After a party, I was shot twice as I walked away from him. We were not in a relationship. Truthfully, I was shocked that I ended up in that place. And it just, that cycle is just always there. Yeah. Misogynoir paints a narrative that black girls and women are violent, hypersexual, and dishonest. Tori and his lawyer leaned into this. Two black women fighting over a man. Wow. Now one of them is lying about it. Why make the trial about Pete's sexuality, claiming that the two were once sexually involved? Megan denies this, but like, what if they had been involved? How does that change the fact that she was shot? Yeah, it does. that doesn't matter. Mm-mm. I mean, I guess unless, like you said, they're trying to use the fact that she says they weren't as a... A means of saying that she's the liar. The uh, the 50 cent policy yeah. where it's like, well, if she lied about one thing, then she lies about everything. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that was probably part of their defense, which is, yeah. Ah, anyway, Megan's fans rallied around her and they provided some support. Her fan base is mostly women because of her lyrical content. When asked about her fan base, Pete said, Naturally, I have a lot of ladies. I would have thought that I would have a lot of men, but men are not running around saying my lyrics like that. I mean, Megan's lyrics are very pro-female sex, and mm-hmm. while her look might scream male gaze, her lyrics do not. Mm-mm. In an interview with Marie Claire, Pete called out the double standard between male and female rappers. She said, a man can, a man can be as mediocre as he wants and still be praised. A man can talk about how he's about to do all of these drugs and then come shoot up your house. But as soon as I say something about my vagina, it's the end of the world. <laughs> Megan continued by saying, what are you really mad about? You cannot be mad about me rapping about sex. She goes on to claim that there must be something deeper, something that we're all missing. Like we said, her lyrics are not centered around the male gaze. Most of them are from the perspective of female pleasure, not the pleasure of men. Megan says, I'm rapping about you making me feel good. I'm not rapping about looking on you. No, you're going to do what I told you to do. Sometimes it's overwhelming to some men. They can't handle it. They get a little shook. They get a little scared. I love Megan. <laughs> There's no lies detected. Mm-mm. Right? Take the song WAP, for example. That song is all about how a woman should be pleased. It is a song that empowers women of all ages to feel comfortable in their bodies. Also to feel comfortable discussing their sexual needs and overcoming the stigma surrounding female pleasure. In an article by Julia Ross titled WAP, Women Empowerment or Objectification, 
Ross says, what Cardi and Megan brought into 2020 was a different approach to the sexually explicit lyrics that flourish in our generation. It focuses on female pleasure and lacks the lyrics that demean their partners. Not once in WAP did the women discuss purposefully disregarding their partner's wishes, and not once did they call their partners derogatory terms. Rather, they explain their various kinks and the emotions they feel during sex. In contrast to popular male rap today, the lyrics about pleasure are centered around their pleasure from the act itself, not around pleasure they receive from abusing or manipulating someone else. This is such a key difference because I definitely grew up listening to rap that depicted women as like vessels for sex and not like someone who should be enjoying it. Like I grew up singing vile lyrics about like my own sex because it was popular at the time, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, these women, if they enjoy the sex too much, they're, like, a chicken head or a hoe with no value. And, like, it's still happening today. Do you remember when you and Sean had to explain to me what Superman Superman that hoe meant? <laughs> like, <laughs> that was all disgusting. Sean. That was all Sean. <laughs> I was like, wait, I never thought about what Superman that hoe could be. If you want, you can Google it. I'm not going to repeat it because it's disgusting. And I just don't understand why a sexual act has to be depicted with such violence and disrespect. Like, mm-hmm. Sex should be good and comfortable for everyone and no one should have to worry about there being any violence or trickery. Yeah. Like, well, that's the I key thing. It's about consent. Well, yes. If you want to have violent acts in your sex, it needs to be consensual. If you want to be Superman, okay. No king shaming. <laughs> but like you need to be, it has to be a consensual superman <laughs> Uh, well, the the fact of the matter is a lot of men feel intimidated or left out of Pete's music because some men aren't comfortable hearing lyrics that don't put them on the receiving end of a particular sex act. They're not the focus, so therefore it's not for them. And in their opinion, not good. And in my opinion, all the better. Small-minded people say that all Megan Thee Stallion does is talk about her vagina and twerking. That thought process is reductive and boring. Rappers are not a monolith. Megan is not only a good lyricist, but she understands delivery and flow. Yeah, her lyrics are thought-provoking and clever. She's able to express her love of anime and black culture while making people of every body type feel like a hottie. Her women first view is empowering, and she's saying, don't let these men make the rules. When it comes to making money or a relationship, you're in control. Most recently, she's used her lyrics to talk about mental health and giving herself a break. Pete lost two very important people in her life back to back and didn't get to properly grieve because of obligations to her career. In her song, Anxiety, she says, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, bad bitches have bad days too. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, bounce back, how a bad bitch always do. All I really want to hear is it'll be okay. Bounce back because a bad bitch can have bad days. Giving yourself space to say I'm not okay is one of the first steps to better mental health. And having an artist who is so successful open up and say, hey, this is not easy and I'm not okay. Like, that's huge. Yeah. So later in the song, Pete references others who might have felt the same way, but were not given the space to be, quote unquote, not okay. She says, Marilyn Monroe, my favorite hoe, my favorite bad bitch. I think she, I think she's the goat. Jamming a Britney, singing a Whitney. I just want to talk to somebody that get me. Mine is Britney. We've covered all the other ladies for a reason, yeah. right? Like, we Go back and listen. We've covered Marilyn Monroe and we've covered Whitney Houston. And their lives were really fucking hard because of lots of reasons. And like this pressure that she's talking about is, you know, Megan sees it. It's like, hey, this is what can happen if like you let your anxiety like run you. And she doesn't want that for anybody. Yeah. And I mean, 
we haven't covered Britney yet, but we might at some point. <clears throat> we might. I feel like it's she's a big she's a big one. Like she's got a lot, and there's like a lot of legal, a lot of mental stuff. I don't know. And, we, and I, maybe instead, there are podcasts we can refer you to that do a much better oh, absolutely. job. Absolutely, yeah. Like there are ones. There's one that this like this guy's like a psychiatrist, and he like talks about things, and I'm just like, that's I don't remember. I'll find it. Yeah. I'll find the name of it. Yeah. But honestly, though, if we allow women to be imperfect, maybe they won't feel so much pressure, mm-hmm. right? This societal pressure is a huge factor in what you were saying, like why Marilyn Monroe and Whitney Houston are maybe no longer with us. Hopefully, Megan Thee Stallion's music can help people acknowledge that perfection is not the goal, like being happy with yourself is. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about, like, Megan and her career so far. like. She's young. Again, she's just, she's, yeah, I'm like, we're going to, like, remember we talked about AOC and we're like, we'll be back because, like, she's going to do so much more. So, like, throughout her career so far, Megan has received six BET Awards, five BET Hip Hop Awards, four American Music Awards, two MTV Music Video Awards, a Billboard Women in Music Award, and three Grammy Awards. At the 2021 Grammy Awards, she also became the second female rapper to win Best New Artist. 22 years earlier, it was Lauryn Hill. I think it's kind of crazy that it was 22 years in between with, like, all the female rappers that have come out since then. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems crazy. Like, that's a whole, like, that's her whole life almost. Right? In between. Yeah. Megan was also honored as Glamour's Woman of the Year in 2021. She started a nonprofit called the Pete and Thomas Foundation in honor of her late mother and father, Holly Thomas and Joseph Pete Jr., The goal of the foundation is to help underserved communities in Houston, Texas, by providing education, housing, and health and wellness needs to the community. Megan was also awarded with the Hero Award by the 18th Congressional District of Texas for her philanthropy efforts in Houston. She was awarded her own day in Texas. It's going to be May 2nd. She received an honorary key to the city of Houston, a symbolic cowboy hat and belt buckle. Oh, Texas. (laughs) Texas is so Texas. Yeah. Uh, She's also started a scholarship program called Don't Stop, which is a $10,000 scholarship award offered to two women of color pursuing a degree in any field of study in any part of the world. She's definitely making her mark. It's very impressive. Mm hmm. All right. So, final thoughts, takeaways. I really like Megan Stallion. Um, Her and Cardi B have definitely gotten me back into rap music because like what we said before like a lot of rap music has been like just dudes being real misogynistic and like it's like there are certain people who don't like i really love childish gambino and he's not that way he mm, kind of sometimes but it's not overwhelming but there's always some there but like megan and cardi definitely have gotten me back into rap music and have introduced me to like lots of other rap girlies that i listen to now so i think that that's super important i think it's really important that megan's like only 27 and she's done all of this in like a really short amount of time she's gotten all these awards she's accumulated all this respect and she's got a really strong fan base she stands up for women of color she champions body positivity and like the power of women working together Minus the shooting on her former record label, she doesn't really have beef with anybody. I'm just, like, super impressed with what she's done so far in such a really short period of time. And, like, I can't wait to see what she does with the next 10 years. Like, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. 
Well, we've talked a lot on this podcast about judging a book by its cover in various episodes, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Megan's the perfect example of the problem with this, right? We discussed the the male gaze and how she doesn't cater to it, even if people might unknowingly assume that she does. Her music is the proof. Like, mm-hmm. she's raising up women and celebrating women, and she's just authentically herself, and we need more of that. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Before we sign off, we have a few resources and references for you. These female rappers don't want to be defined by industry sexism. They're setting their own rules by Natalie J. Whaley. WAP, Women Empowerment or Objectification by Julia Ross. Why I Speak Up for Black Women by Megan Thee Stallion. Misogynoir Transformed, Black Women's Digital Resistance by Moya Bailey. The Mother Load, 100 Plus Women Who Made Hip Hop by Clover Hope. And the Georgetown Law Center study that we talked about is called The Girlhood Interrupted, The Erasure of Black Girls' Childhood, and that's by Rebecca Epstein, Jamelia J. Blake, and Thalia Gonzalez. So let us know what you thought of the episode. Do you have anything to add to the conversation that we might have left out? Or do you have any suggestions for women that we should cover in the future? Follow the podcast on Twitter at Big Rep Pod and Instagram and TikTok at Big Reputations Pod. Send us a message or email us at BigReputationsPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends, your family, every bad bitch you've ever met, and subscribe and leave a five-star review. Check out our Big Reputations merch as well. The link is in the show notes as well as in our Linktree link found on all our social media platforms. Be sure to take a picture and tag us when you make a purchase. And don't forget we have a Patreon now. Patreon.com slash BigReputationsPod or just check out the link in our Linktree. Whether you pledge 2 or $5, you'll get a shout-out in our episodes. And if you choose the $5 level, you'll have exclusive access to our Little Reputations episodes. These are short mini-episodes about amazing women throughout history. Next up is Charlotte E. Ray, and if you stick around after the episode, we'll share a teaser from that Little Rep episode. All right, let's sign off. Kim, what quote do you have for us this week? Us boss chicks have to continue to stick together and change the game. Megan Stallion. And as always, believe women. Charlotte attended what was then called the Institution for Education of Colored Youth, which is now called University of the District of Columbia. It's kind of funny. <laughs> but do you think that there's any like weird racists that go to the University of District of Columbia? Do they know? That like, don't know the history, right? Yeah. Or just like, <laughs> this is a school for whites. And it's like, actually. <laughs> actually. Yeah. This is the one time actually is really useful. <laughs> right.